You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 163. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from PhillyVoice.com. Special guest this week is my dog, Charlie. I normally kick him out of my office here, but I forgot to do that. And if he starts barking at another dog walking by my window, uh, my apologies in advance. With me, as always, he's tall, he's sexy, he's all Philly. Brandon Lee Gowton, how you know, buddy? Jimmy! I could not be more overjoyed because the Eagles 2020 <laughs> season yeah. finally, mercifully, is over. It's no more. It's done. Finito. As Pat Shermer would say, yes. Not without controversy, though, of course. Uh, well, let's hold on. Uh, first of all, do you have anything to say about meat, sna- meat snacks before we uh, continue forward? How did you guess, Jimmy? Uh, BGN, Radio, BGN Radio, obviously brought to you by Righteous Felon, Kraft Jerky. Now you can eat the same meat snacks that the Eagles do, hopefully the improved Eagles in the future. <laughs> uh, go to RighteousFelon.com and use discount code BGN15 at checkout for 15% off orders. Jimmy, let's yeah, get as, into it. As I was saying, uh, their Week 17 game was, of course, not without controversy. We haven't spoken about Tankgate, if you want to call it that, since the end of the regular season, but... Uh, clearly, the Eagles <laughs> were tanking that game. I mean, I know they had uh, aspirations of playing Nate Sudfeld at some point. They, they, you know, it was reported multiple different places. In fact, I think Peters even told Chris Collinsworth prior to the game that uh, Nate Sudfeld was going to play at some point during that game. It was just the timing of it that I think really made a lot of people angry. Uh, and I understand it. Like personally, I was uh, very much on Team Tank. It, but I think the way that you do it is the way they the way they did do it prior to the game, which is you hold out anyone that could that has any kind of injury at all. Don't you know make that injury worse? Use it as an excuse to not play them at all, like they did with Miles Sanders, in my opinion, and like a number of other players. You don't want to get a guy like Carson Wentz hurt and then make him impossible to trade this offseason. season. Uh, so they were right in holding out as many players as they did. In fact, they had ten guys inactive for that game, which is more than I've ever seen. Uh, and then in the game, the Washington football team was so bad that like, the, like I, so I like looked at like the number of uh, like the Eagles starters as projected from like back in May, like the, the 20, 11 on offense, 11 on defense. And only seven of those guys actually played in this game. And the, the Washington football team still couldn't take care of business on their own really until the fourth, like fourth quarter Eagles are down three and they put Nate Sudfeld in at that point. So it was pretty clear in my opinion that like they were, trying to lose that game. So while I'm all for tanking, I do think that you run the risk and when you do that uh, of pissing off your own players. And I think certainly that did happen. What was your take on uh, the whole tanking sitch? 
Uh, Jimmy could not care less in terms <laughs> really? of okay. like just get it done, get get the loss. That was, I said it was a must lose game, so like lose at all costs. That's what they did. Now I think you can say that how it was handled in terms of you see Miles Sanders coming out and saying that nobody liked when Jalen Hurts got pulled, and uh, and obviously Jeff McLean reported that coaches and players on the sideline. Or what outraged is the term he used? Outraged and shocked. Um, so clearly, I think there was some kind of communication issue here, and I think that speaks to organizational failures yeah. for sure. I just I think some of the, the reactions to it though are just they're overkill. It's just so much. Like what was it? Sal Powell saying there needs to be like an investigation. I saw Sports Illustrated write an article saying like the Eagles should be punished. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> right. No. Look, look, I am no Eagles homer, Jimmy. This may surprise you. I will, like, I I have gotten so much crap this whole offseason and, like, the whole year, I feel like, for being too negative. So, for me, for once, to be like, hey, the Eagles did something smart. Right. Like, this isn't just me, like, caping for the team, carrying their water. I think this was the smartest thing they've done in a long time is to actually go out and lose this game, make a good effort to do that. Now, again, if you want to say there are organizational issues here and the fact that they're in a position where they have to lose to get better is a problem in in of itself. So not to say the organization is perfect and above criticism, but when it comes down to it, the very bottom line, they lost. And to me, that's all that really matters. And I don't think this is going to have some long-term ramification. Um, I saw someone in 538 wrote an article about the Eagles tanking and put it well. It's like, you're talking about culture. Like, what kind of culture does a four eleven and one team have anyway yeah. that's so great that needs to be maintained and manifested and if they win this meaningless game that makes it better that's where i'm at yeah and then of course during the game giants players understandably in my opinion were very angry that, that the eagles you know were no not understandably no no, no no they're players sure i mean these are guys these are like 20 year old kids that are like complaining that the we're talking about players here the day after when Joe, when Joe Judge went on his rant. Now, that's where you go, shut up, dude. Like, you're 6 <laughs> and 10. And he's talking about, like, his players making sacrifices all year and their families making sacrifices. And the things that he cited were, like, hilarious. Like, he's talking about, like, my players got text messages at 6 a.m. telling them that they, they didn't, didn't have to go to work that day. They didn't get to celebrate their wife's birthday it, like with a lot of people around. They didn't get to like have big Christmas gatherings. Well, you know what? Like that can be said of pretty much everybody. Like my eight-year-old daughter, you know, had to go through getting text messages sent saying, don't come to school today. And like she didn't complain about it. But you have Joe Judge complaining about, uh, you know, a, a division rival, no less. Um, not doing everything they can to escort their bullshit six and ten team into the postseason. Nobody cares about you, Joe Judge. Nobody cares about your six and ten New York Giants other than your own fans. And like, just for him to go on this rant was uh, um, was was first of all hilarious from my perspective, but also pathetic that uh, he would expect a team to you know do the dirty work for him. Yeah, if you want to make the playoffs, Giants, hey, maybe win more. <laughs> Then six games, like, right. there's a thought, especially like this. It's so egregiously bad because and what I love about maybe that whole rant the most from Joe Judge is he talks about like, you know, we're going to play 60 minutes. You didn't play 60 minutes against the Eagles in week seven when you were up 11 points and you should have sealed that game. Uh, yes. You choked. And that was a big reason why you didn't make the playoffs in the end, because you couldn't beat this very bad Eagles team, even though you had a lead over them. So like he has no room to talk. Um, I think your takeaway from it too, 
what you wrote is like now he has like no reason to ever he's rest player, a corner, right? yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna be called a hypocrite if he ever like like week 17 they have this crappy division wrapped up or something like they're, they're locked into some kind of playoff seating or something he can't rest the starters now without be called without being called a complete hypocrite i think it's a very common take so i'm not this isn't like new but i'm saying it but it's it's really true. Like if that game isn't on national television, yes, no one cares. That's that's like a hundred percent true. No one really cares. Maybe like a little bit of something, but like just it's it's clearly nobody's not watching that national. game. You know, nobody's watching that game at all. Exactly. Exactly. Like, in yeah, fact, like point. even if you're watching the Red Zone Channel that day, like when Nate Sudfeld comes in, nobody's like like the, the, the Red Zone Channel channel isn't even panning to that game because the Eagles didn't do anything on offense when. When he was in, the, I mean, maybe they show the interception, maybe they show the fumble, and then they just go right back to another game. But there's no analysis. They, they might just be like, oh, "I wonder why I need Sudfeld's in that game. Like, what happened to Jalen Hurts? All right, let's go back to Arizona. Like, you know, like nobody's paying any attention to that game at all. So you're you're totally right, and it, and it was sort of a common takeaway by a lot of people. But you know, if, if the NFL doesn't flex uh, what is a totally meaningless game to the Eagles, uh, if they don't flex that to Sunday Night Football. Like there's no publicity on this at all. I mean, you might get you're going to get some from New York, of course, and you're going to get some from Washington and Philly, but otherwise, like it's not a national story. So the Eagles lost. They finished four eleven and one. They get the number six overall pick in this year's draft, as opposed to number nine if they had won the game. Um, but beyond that, Jimmy, I mean, the other big thing to come away from Sunday itself, beyond the biggest disgrace in American history to happen ever and definitely this week the eagles tanking um it was carson wentz's relationship being quote-unquote fractured beyond repair uh with doug peterson this report obviously came out from espn's chris mortensen who is uh a liar and it isn't true because i want carson wentz to be on the team and that's how the truth works you just kind of pick and choose what you're gonna believe i'm just kidding uh so that's that that was sunday i just want to take us through the timeline here carson wentz declines to speak to the media, even though there's the precedent of him speaking to the media after every season pretty much uh, on Monday. And then on uh, Tuesday, or Monday again, or Tuesday, Tuesday, sorry. Tuesday, I believe. I'm losing track of my days here. Tuesday, Rob Motti comes out, Associated Press, and says that uh, Carson Wentz needs some time to think about things. But he still said in that report that the relationship between the Eagles and him was quote unquote strained. So it wouldn't, didn't like deny the Chris Mortensen report. And then on Wednesday morning, uh, Adam Schefter goes on 97.5, the new uh, John Kincaid show, uh, morning show. And he says he gave his opinion. And his opinion, he said, is that Carson Wentz won't be back, will be traded this offseason. But then more definitively, after stating his opinion, he said, like, he wants to be traded. Like, that, he did not really leave a vague mm-hmm. or gray area. So, uh, so what do you make of the current Carson Wentz situation, Jimmy? I just yeah, a lot either. I think it's clear he wants out. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't see how you could really see it any other way. Um, I think he wants out, and I think the Eagles are going to trade him. Uh, like, I'm, and I can't believe that we're here. Like, just this time last year, everyone was praising Carson Wentz for dragging you know, a lot of practice squad guys to the playoffs. Like the last quarter of the season, he legitimately played really well uh, after mm-hmm. sort of a down season this year, obviously was a total disaster from start to finish. Um, but I mean, like to, to think that we're here where they would be trading him more, like, more likely than not, in my opinion, uh, to trade him this off season uh, is really just staggering. <laughs> like how, how just the downfall of, of, of once in, in Philadelphia. And, you know, like I, I think his teammates, 
uh, respect and like him for the most part. So I don't think there's anything like that going on. But um, yeah, I mean, just the idea of I think the idea of being a backup uh, to Wentz and having to fight for that job just doesn't appeal to him in any way. And I think that uh, he sees greener pastures uh, more likely than not in Indianapolis than he sees in Philadelphia. And ultimately, I think a deal will get done between those two teams. I mean, how do you keep him if he wants to be out? Like, is that really tenable? Like, when you're your quarterback, who's supposed to be like the leader right. of your team, $120 million. Like, I know he doesn't have the leverage in terms of like, what's he going to do? That's what we said. Like, just not show up, not make the millions of dollars, mm-hmm. like leave all that money on the table. That doesn't seem realistic. But I mean, if you bring him back, it's not going to be a healthy environment. I think we know that. And uh, I do believe that. Uh, Chris Portenson's reporting. I mean, it's more like you can't just doubt this guy Mort because you don't want stuff to... up. Like, get out of here. Yeah, yeah. This is the whole um, Trump I... culture where media is, you know, fake news. <laughs> like, it's not like he. Chris Mortensen isn't just making stuff up. Okay, like, tr- like there, it, there's like he's got a long track record of being very accurate. Like the idea that like this is just wrong is nonsense. Like he's he's hearing clearly something that uh that that is a that is true. And in my opinion, and and uh, like it's not, it's not. He's not just fabricating this out of nothing. And if he was, wouldn't Carson Wentz come out yes. and say that wasn't true? Like for him not to speak on Monday, I saw so many people defending that. Be like, oh, what would he have to gain anyway? Like, what are you talking about? Like he could distance himself from those rumors if they weren't true. And you could say, oh, well, people wouldn't believe that. But still, I mean, you're putting the message out there. And part of that to me, him not speaking, is like it's pathetic because you're the $120 million face of the franchise. I know he was benched at the end of the season, but he's still like the most prolific player on the team. Who do Eagles fans know more than any other player? Carson Wentz. Like for him not to come out and speak at the end of a season that went very poorly, including for himself, like that's part of why you're getting the big bucks. Like you have to take the heat. You have to be in front of the media and be accountable. That's part of accountability is, yeah. is being in front of the media and, and sitting there and taking the hard questions. And I think Carson Wentz is a guy who usually actually does well with that. Like he sits there, he's taking hard questions before he's done it all season and he's done fine. And he knows so what he's doing. Like, he knows how to answer hard yeah. questions. Yeah. So he could have made it through that press conference and been fine. I've seen him do it before. So for him not to do that is definitely pointed. You can't tell me otherwise. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's really hard for me to envision him being back. I know the Eagles or Howie Roseman talking about how uh, they can't even imagine him gone to be like cutting. What was it? It was like, it'd be like cutting your fingers off. Fingers off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah or, or being without fingers. Yeah. Totally uh natural <laughs> line, not planned at all. Um, a and classic Howie they, analogy that doesn't really make a lot of sense. That's what they have to say. Uh, you know, they can't you know, come out and say, oh, yeah, we're going to trade him. It's obviously all posturing and whatnot. And and from uh, ESPN's reporting, which I think is relevant, too, is they said Wentz is willing to help facilitate the deal. So if that's the case, you know, you would think that would make it not necessarily easy to trade him because of, you know, the money involved and everything in the market. But it sounds like he's willing to play ball, which you would think would help, you know, grease the wheels a little bit. So I'm with you, Jimmy. I, I just can't see. Like, I just have a hard time envisioning him envisioning him being back. What, what do you think they get in return for him? So Schefter addressed addressed this too, or, or Mort, I think, said, mm-hmm. Mort and Schefter both talked about this in 97.5. And I think Mort said that, like, he can't see a first. He said maybe, like, a two and something. And Schefter said he didn't really disagree with that. He thinks a one isn't in play. I don't think a one is in play. I think you're looking two, three. Well, they'll, get at, least, they'll get at least a two. I think they'll get a one. 
I think they should get mm-hmm. a one. I mean, when you're talking about like a team like, the I mean, you, yeah, if it is the Colts, they're they made the playoffs, right? I feel like yep. ridiculous asking that, but yeah. So they're a playoff team. It's going to be a late one if it, if the if the pick is in 2021. I think if uh, you trade for a 2022 first round pick, I think that's fine too, and I think that's maybe more palatable to a team like the Colts as well. Maybe it could be a two with um, like a conditional two, where if they make the playoffs in 2022, then it becomes a one. You don't want to be in a situation like the Houston Texans are where they traded um, uh, a one and then that's now the third overall pick in this draft. <laughs> like if they traded a two with the possibility of it becoming a one, if they made the playoffs, then, you know, that, that you know, that, that'd be a pick in the twenties, obviously. So maybe that, that kind of situation would be more palatable to, to a team like the Colts. So I think the Eagles will shoot more. I mean, obviously they're going to shoot for the highest they can get, but I, I think that is probably a, a stronger possibility than just, a straight two in my opinion. I do think, you know, Carson Wentz does have uh, appeal still and the contract that would be going to the new team would be pretty reasonable. I mean, it would be basically right. a, a two year deal worth uh 40 something. Uh, I remember when I wrote the, let's get on the same pages. Let's get all, let's all get on the same page with Carson Wentz's contract uh, post uh, it, the contract that the, the, the per year money would be, I think it was between 18th and 20th uh, in the NFL. So it would be sort of a it would be a reasonable contract to the new team, and I think that when you mentioned that uh, he'd be willing to rework a deal or or play ball or whatever, I think he meant that in terms of his new team as opposed okay. to helping out the Eagles in any way. Like I, we saw, like we made fun of the uh, Mike Tannenbaum scenario le- during the last podcast. He's not going to. I think that what what he's there because that was part of the report was that uh, he wasn't going to help the Eagles in any way. It was more for whatever potential new team. So the, the the scenario that Mike Tannenbaum laid out was that the Wentz would write a check to the Eagles, which would lower their dead money hit if they were to trade him. And it doesn't seem like he's open to that necessarily. So uh, I think, you know, but what, what, what that will potentially do is it'll raise what the return will have to be in terms of draft pick compensation that the Eagles would, re- would receive from you know whoever they get a deal done with. So I don't think one is totally out of the question, but it might have to come on a condition. And speaking of conditions, the last thing I want to say in Wentz is that like if this idea from Rob Bonney out there that was put out there, you know, like that he's still considering uh, what he wants to do. Well, first of all, nice that you're taking your time after signing like a hundred and twenty eight million dollar contract and making commitment to the Eagles that you like, oh, I'll, I'll see what I want to do here. Um, and then number two, um, like it would seem that to me, when I re- read that, like there has to be stipulations then, right? Like, he's not just like mulling it over and thinking like, hmm, do I want to stay? He's like picking like the leaves of a flower. Like, does she love me? Doesn't she not? <laughs> right. It's like, I would, I would think he's thinking of like stipulations, meaning like, and I think the reason, part of the reason why that report came out on ESPN on Sunday and why it's relevant to the report that came out on Saturday that Doug is going to be back is that I wonder if that's kind of Carson Wentz putting the pressure on the Eagles to like, hey, make a decision here. It's either me or Doug. And I think if Doug is coming back, I just have a hard time seeing how they're going to run everything back, right? Isn't that hard to envision? Like they're going to have this 4-11-1 season. Right. And they're going to run head coach, general manager, and quarterback right. all back. Like really? That's going to happen? Um, so yeah, I think Wentz is gone. We'll talk about that plenty more this offseason, and a couple more points on that in the podcast potentially later. But, Jimmy, uh, cap space. The Eagles are in bad cap shape, as we know, yeah. in terms of being like $70 million over 
right now projected on overthecap.com. Um, but they allegedly created some cap space. We don't know the exact machinations, uh, but you wanted to talk about Malik Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey getting restructured while also them probably not being here. Yeah, it was funny. The the way that report was put out, it was by Mike Garofalo of uh, NFL Network, where his first tweet was that the Eagles restructured the contracts of those two players. And it was like, what? <laughs> like, huh? They're, wait, that can't be right. And then his subsequent tweet was that, well, they're still likely to not be on the team in 2021. And then um, uh, Jason Fitzgerald of uh, the aforementioned OverTheCap.com does a great job. Uh, he sort of laid out what his thinking is on that restructure, which makes a lot of sense to me and I think is probably accurate. Uh, I have not checked with the Eagles to confirm his uh, suspicions on that. But uh, basically what he said was, you know, essentially uh, Alshon and Malik Jackson take a uh, a pay cut uh, salary-wise, not, not, not a pay cut necessarily, but uh, reduce their salary in 2021, and then their salary goes way up in 2022. Uh, and that enables uh, basically uh, an extra $12 million in savings. So if they just cut those two guys before the start of the new league year, it would be a savings of eight million dollars, like eight or nine. I think nine million dollars actually. And uh, by doing this, it, it would save an additional twelve million on the cap. And then once the new league year begins, uh, the Eagles would use. So each team has the ability to designate two players as a June first cut, and Jeffrey and Malik Jackson would be those two players. And then essentially the, the dead mo- the dead money hit wouldn't, wouldn't be any different than it would otherwise. It's just that they'll be able to spread it over 2021 and 2022. And they really need it a lot more. I mean, they need that cap space a lot more badly now than they do next year, of course. So they're screwed. Anyway. Like no matter, how, no, no matter how you slice it, they're screwed cap-wise. But they do have the ability to kick the can down the road a little bit here with these two players, which makes sense with what they're doing. Uh, and they've been, I mean, they've been doing that for years, but they, it's, it's, it was like the very simple explanation is that it's a good move. Like they did that. They actually did sort of, uh, a creative good move in a way that they are able to open up an extra $12 million of cap space prior to the start of the new league year, which will basically allow them to not have to restructure the contract of some other like older expensive veteran on the team. Thus, uh, committing to them for you know a longer term than they than they would probably like to otherwise. Uh, long boring explanation there, but the crux yeah, is again, boring as hell, man. Good job, Eagles, on that one. Small golf clap uh, in an otherwise you know terrible uh, year of uh, mismanaging the cap. Brandon, well, Malik Jackson had one sack. Uh, I mean, he had a sack in week seventeen. Before that, he hadn't had one since week six. So. Great. And then Alshon Jeffrey, we were wrong, Jimmy. We were so wrong. He was on the team this year, unlike we expected, and he made a huge difference, and it was great. So <laughs> right. ready to take the loss in that one. Uh, why don't you tell me about Kristen Roach, Jimmy? Oh, yeah. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors uh, actually just left uh, to go show a few houses. Uh, but if you are looking to buy or sell a home, especially selling right now, like the it's a huge seller's market at the, at the, at the moment. Like People are getting way more uh, for their homes and they're expecting um, it's a good time to sell buying eh, maybe a little bit less so but if you're looking to buy sell or rent a home call Kristen Roach 
856-906-9295. Again, 856-906-9295. Brandon? Back after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 163. Jimmy, it's time to get into the Howie Roseman section of this podcast because the Eagles general manager spoke for the first time. As you close your door and you hold your, uh, <laughs> your your headphones up to your ears, the heater uh, clicked on and it was making noise, so I had to, had to shut that down. Smooth move, uh, <laughs> yeah. So Howie he talks finally for the first time since what, like September, and I, I felt better after Howie spoke because he told me <laughs> the Eagles have thirty five wins in three years before this one, and he also used the quote "one bad moment" yes. at one point. Uh, Which moment so was he talking too. about, by the way, on the one bad moment? Like what was the, what's the uh, one bad moment that uh, that he's referring to? I forget exactly. I think it was. I thought it was kind of brought up in draft. Um, I can't remember exactly. Uh, I don't have that off the top of my head here. But you're probably referring to JJ versus Metcalf. I can't remember. Um, or Rager versus Jefferson. Either either any way you want to slice it. There's it's two been, right there. So it's more than we're yeah. already more than one. We're, we're at more than one for sure. Uh, what were your takeaways from Howie though? Well, that was the big one to me. Like, I'm tired of hearing 35 wins in the last three years. I mean, the Super Bowl year uh, before this one, and he's he's including the he's including the playoffs in that too. So, 16 of those wins come in 2017. I mean, we and we've talked at length about the 2018 and 2019 seasons where they got into the playoffs in 2018 because, I mean, at 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 one point during the season, they were five and seven that year. Like they were mm-hmm. coming off that horrible loss in Miami. Oh no, no, no! I'm sorry, that was last year, the 2018 season. Excuse me. Uh, oh no, wait. Saints. Uh, yeah, no, that's right, that's right, that's right. The they were five and seven coming off that horrible Miami loss, and then you know Carson Wentz drags the practice squad guys to the playoffs, as we mentioned earlier, um, against four really bad divisional opponents. And the only team that was like decent in the play in the uh, NFCs that year was Dallas, and of course they got them on a week in which. Uh, Dak Prescott's shoulder was all messed up and clearly didn't look like himself in that game. So, you know, they, they sweep those last four games and they only get in because the Vikings uh, lose uh, to uh, the Bears uh, in that game. And uh, the Eagles backdoor their way into, into, the wild, into the wild card. 2019, of course. Uh, actually, I know I just screwed that up again. <laughs> 2019 was when they sort of uh, they, they won those last four games and they get into the playoffs, they only get in because the NFC East was terrible. They get in both years with nine and seven records. They do win one playoff game in Chicago in 2018. Uh, they are a quick exit. 
in uh, 2019 after losing to the Seahawks after the cheap shot by Jadavion Clowney. But let's not pretend like those two seasons were good. Like if you look at their DVOA, those seasons, I think it was 16th in uh, 2018. I think they were like 13th in uh, 2019. In 2019, like their offense couldn't have possibly been more boring. Like it was just station to station, like just boring. Uh, like that, they were able to somehow put together these like actually consistently be able to put together these really long drives, but they had no ability to, to put, you know, to, to put easy points on the board in, in, in the form of like big plays. And then, um, you know, 2020 of course was one of the worst seasons in Eagles history. So the idea that like that they, they're what, what Howie Roseman and Eagles are trying to do is they're trying to lump 2019 and 2018 in with 2017 because they know that, quote unquote, we won the Super Bowl. Like that's run its course. Like nobody cares about that anymore. Like that was great. And it was maybe it was one of the best moments in Philadelphia sports history, but that's gone. Like you can't use that as a crutch anymore. And what they're trying to do is elongate the period of successful football from 2017 to 2019, when in reality, like they had a chance, they were set up to, to be a contender, you know, year in and year out for a long time after that Super Bowl win. And what we have seen since is they have gotten progressively worse uh, each year as they've gone along. Yeah, it's opportunity cost. It's not just like, hey, we did this thing. That's good. It's like, well, you had the opportunity to do more and you didn't. So you should be held to that standard. And I think these things that are being said also uh, should mention, what was it, 25 yards away? Going back to the end right. of the championship. Well, he said 15, but they weren't even. I think oh, yeah. they were the 27 yard line on that. They're the 27 yard line. And it went through Jeffrey's hands that are it, like, it was a short pass. It was, you know, went through his hands at the 20, yeah. landed in Marshawn Lattimore's hands. But like, I, I'm sorry to cut you off, but like, I love when people say, oh, they're, you know, they go to the NFC Championship game if he makes that catch. Well, maybe. I mean, do they still score yeah. on that drive anyway? And do the Saints not go down the other way and kick a field goal? To win and it didn't game. happen. But but also, like, he dropped the ball because he's not that great of a receiver. Like, he had drops all year, and the Eagles receivers in general weren't good, which is a roster flaw. So, like, they didn't – like, w- the reality is they didn't make the plays that they had to make. So, like, yeah. the idea that, like, you know, they, they should have been in the NFC Championship game is, is nonsense. I, like, I always equate that to – at least, like, with the Sixers, like, when uh, Kawhi Leonard had, like, the, the quadruple bounce that went through – at least that was a player on the other team that made like a like made an incredible play. Uh, but I love the idea that like the Sixers would have won the championship that year. Like they would have beaten Milwaukee and they would have beaten Golden State if uh, that and then and also beaten the Raptors in overtime if uh, that yeah. that if that you know if that hadn't fallen through. So like sort of a, a people make the same claims with the Eagles in that in that game. But uh, anyway, sorry, continue. I I cut off your train of thought there. My point on that was that what was said by Howie Roseman in that press conference were like internal talking points that I have like gleaned <laughs> like and I had I'd heard about like for a long time now like things that I had heard and why I've been frustrated with the team for a long time now and reasons why I've been saying they've been delusional is exactly everything he said it's like those same points like he said those same things that have made, have had me so frustrated with this team and how delusional they've been and how they're basically just lying to themselves or gaslighting like the fans. I mean, just like th- t- forget about the 35 wins thing for a second and just go like, just go with feeling. Like, think about how these Eagles seasons have yes. felt since the Super Bowl win. 
Like, okay, there was a nice little run at the end of 2018. Sure, I think about the Texans game. That was really fun, you know, when Foles came mm-hmm. in. But, like, a lot of that season was, like, miserable. It yeah. wasn't, like, really enjoyable. What are the, where are the, like, lasting, enjoyable moments for the Eagles since 2018 where you really felt like, oh, this is actually a Super Bowl team? Like, for, like, more than, like, you know, a week or two, like, there hasn't been that kind of sustained success where you're like, oh, this team has, there's hope for this team. It's been like miserable for the most part uh, ever since the Super Bowl win. I mean, yeah, again, like that, can- that, that game felt good. Sorry to cut you off. Like, that game felt good. Like, when they went up 14 nothing, I think it was against the Saints early in that game, it was like, oh my God, they, they're going to win this game. And then they didn't. Sure. <laughs> but, like, but like, other than those two moments during that season, there really wasn't a lot to look for. Like, even heading into that Saints game, like, I think the perception among everybody was that they were going to get blown out because they had gotten beaten so badly by them during the regular season and of course this time they were heading in there with foals instead of you know once or whatever uh but yeah i'm with you completely how the season felt is really a good way of looking at it because you never felt good about that that team really at all during that season and certainly you didn't feel good about that team at all uh until like they won those last four games which again were sort of a false positive uh, but you didn't feel good about that team at all during the 2019 season. And you've highlighted it as well with just the quarterbacks they've beaten in that stretch. It's like a lot of them are just – they're like backups Luke and guys Falk, who like aren't in the league or like Daniel team. Jones. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like a bunch of nobodies. So, like, don't sell me on things that have actually been better and, like, we're ungrateful like as a fan base. Like, like fans are ungrateful. They don't have the perspective. Like, like bullshit, man. That's bullshit. Uh, so I thought that was pretty pathetic to kind of trot out that message message. And it speaks to the hubris of this organization that I've been complaining about for a long time. So that brings me to my next point here, uh, Jimmy, which I mean, it's kind of crazy again, that these went four eleven one one this year and they have like no hope for the future or mm-hmm. well, limited hope for the future. I would say uh, certainly not reason to feel like just totally optimistic, and they're running it back with Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson, which is kind of funny when you, when you think about it. So my attempt to make sense of this, Jimmy, I've been thinking about this. And I kind of spoke on this last week. Remember when we were kind of talking about, like, we ran through, is Howie going to be back? Is yes. Doug going to be back? And I kind of reached the point where I was like, what if they kind of have to be back? Because they're like, it's not a good situation to come into. These aren't attractive jobs for right. new GM candidates and new head coach candidates. So... I think I'm of two minds. I think I'm going to write an article about this for BGM. I have two possible things I see. So one is that Jeffrey Lurie really is like delusional and he's buying Mm -hmm. into this BS messaging that Howie Roseman is throwing out there. And he actually believes that Doug Peterson and Howie Roseman are the guys to get this team back on track. That's number one. Or number two, and this crystallized more, as I was kind of thinking about it last week, and then I and I uh, talked to Noah Becker, you know, good friend of the podcast mm-hmm. and BGN about this, and the way um, he kind of put it was like, you know, this could be a good thing in the sense of this is Lurie, you know, putting Howie Roseman and and Doug Peterson out there this year and having maybe some kind of level of hope that they're the answers, but not actually really believing that overwhelmingly and more realistically, just giving them like one last ride. And like after this year, if they fail again, then there's no excuses. And then they can kind of clean house from there as opposed to bringing in a new general manager and or head coach now 
And it would kind of just be unfair to judge them because there's just such a mess here that those new people would have to deal with. You wouldn't even get like a true evaluation of them as much as like the mess that the other people created is still here yeah. and you're still dealing with that. So do you buy that at all? Yeah, I can see that a little bit. Like if you want to want to take it a step further, I think uh, uh, I want to say I think it was Derek Sarley came up with this uh, analogy. Well, like make him smoke the whole pack. Like, you know, like if you're a teenager and you get caught smoking a cigarette, the parent makes him smoke the whole pack in front of him. So maybe like there's some logic in Jeffrey Lurie making Howie and Doug, uh, you know, sort of quote unquote smoking the whole pack, you know, having to finish out this one last season with this badness that I mean, really how he's created the, uh, the roster and the situation that the team is in more so than Doug has. But, uh, you know, you make them sort of uh, not make them, but you, you, you allow them to have this one last season uh, with the likelihood that they will fail. And then if and more likely when they do, uh, then you bring in, as you mentioned, uh, a, a new GM and a head coach into a situation that maybe looks a little bit more palatable once the uh, cap is cleaned up a little bit more and you have the ability to bring in, you know, younger players and build from scratch. Yeah, I think that's the that's the hope. That's the that's like the silver lining positive sell on it. We'll see, you know, how it goes this year uh, with it running it back and everything. I just I think it's, you know, again, hard to have that op- optimism. And I also kind of wonder, um, like, how much more damage potentially could be done this offseason. I mean, maybe not a ton in the sense of we've already like, spent all this cap space and it's not like they have a ton more to spend. Um, but I, I just wonder. It's, 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 true. it's, like, really it's, it's hard to mess it up more than it is. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, hard, it's hard to get worse off in the future than they already are. I mean, I guess in theory you could just – how we could go on like a – a restructure spree in which they really commit to a lot of older players for the foreseeable future, like longer than they already are committed to these guys. But I think, um, well, I mean, the ideally you'd have an owner that would, that would recognize what's happening there would not allow that to happen. Um, Jimmy, right to selling craft jerky is brought to you by BGN Radio, and BGN Radio is brought to you by Righteous Hill and Craft Jerky. It works both ways. I don't know if that's true, but <laughs> anyway, uh, they sponsor us, the meat snacks that fuel your Philadelphia Eagles. That's right, Righteous Felon Jerky and Snack Sticks are served at the Eagles Novacare Complex Fueling Station, where players get their pre- and post-workout protein fix. If it's good enough for the Eagles, who aren't very good, it's got to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, PA. They use locally sourced all-natural black Angus beef, and they're committed to elevating the meat snacks category with superior quality and creative branding. You can try all the flavors, including OG Hickory, Victorious B.I.G., which is always Jimmy's favorite, uh, Baby Blues Barbecue, Marilyn Monroe, Bourbon Franklin, Abenor Escobar. There's so many more. Uh, go to rightstosellon.com and use discount code BGN15 at checkout for 15% off. There's no limit on how many times you can use that discount code. So, you know, it's a new year. You're watching the playoffs. Uh, you want some snacks that you can eat. You can do that by going to rightstosellon.com and using discount code BGN15. Jimmy, back after this. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 
200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Back here for our final segment on episode BGN Radio. Episode BGN Radio? On BGN Radio episode 163. It's the first off-season edition of BGN Radio, so that's fun. Jimmy, uh, we talked about the quarterback, we talked about the GM, the head coach. Now it's time to talk about the coaching staff changes yes. that are already underway and got started a little bit surprisingly with Jim Schwartz. Was not game day, right? Was that, was that on Sunday? Saturday. 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 Okay. Uh, I knew because I was taking a walk. I thought it'd be, you know, all right, Saturday before this meeting. <laughs> right. Coaching game, nothing's going on. And sure happen. enough, Jim Schwartz is not going to be back. He's going to let his con- – or. His contract is going to expire. I'm not going to say he's going to let it expire. The the, refra- the framing is that he wants to take a year off and potentially retire or whatever. So first of all, thoughts on the Jim Schwartz era and then potential replacements. I think the Jim Schwartz era in Philadelphia uh, is underappreciated. I think that he is more uh, – I think he's been uh, a good defensive coordinator for this team for the last five years. Uh, there are certainly things to nitpick about um, the way he calls games, like I know that a lot of people don't like the soft coverages. I know that people think that, um, uh, and you know, to valid to some degree, that his uh, defensive philosophy is oversimplified. And uh, I get all that, but when you just look at his results, they're very good. I mean, across the board, and they won a Super Bowl with him. Obviously, they didn't play well in the Super Bowl itself, but uh, he was certainly a big part in getting them there. I thought they had a, a great game plan against the Falcons. Uh, remember, at the end of that game. Like Rodney McLeod was calling out the play uh, that, you know, ended up causing Matt Ryan to have to roll to his right, throw up sort of a prayer to Julio Jones that they almost got, uh, but didn't because the Eagles did recognize what was going on there. Uh, Doesn't get enough credit for that. Doesn't get enough credit, I think, for the way that they completely shut down the Vikings in the NFC Championship game. Um, So, I mean, he was a big part of, of their Super Bowl season and their success over the last five years. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who takes his place. Uh, I am of the strong opinion that they should not go from a 4-3 to a 3-4. We saw how that went when Chip Kelly was hired. Because you got to change over your entire defensive person. Not, entire, not your entire defensive personnel, but uh, certainly the front seven uh, has to change uh, over. I mean, linebacker doesn't matter in that regard, but certainly the defensive linemen do. So I, I don't think that would be a good idea. But um, uh, back to Schwartz, I, I do think that he did a good job over over the last five years. And I wonder, I know a lot of people think the grass is greener on the other side. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see on that. But uh, I think he did a lot with um, with uh, oftentimes little in terms of uh, personnel on the defensive side of the ball. And and uh, yeah, I, I think I think there's a chance that he will be missed. I would say at worst, Jimmy, Jim Schwartz is a cromulent NFL sure. defensive coordinator at worst. Of course. Yeah. I think at best he's a good one. Yeah. Um, I went back and looked at the rankings in terms of DVOA and what the Eagles uh, ranked in uh, defense spending and then their rank in health. 
And okay. basically the gist of this, I won't read the numbers here, but the, the gist of this for you, the podcast listener is the Eagles defense and DVOA always outperformed where the team ranked in defensive spending. Always. They always finished higher. So I think there's evidence there. They overachieved. And by the way, in 2018 and 2019, if you look by football outsiders, adjusted games, loss study, they were like the second most injured defense in 2018. They finished 15th in DVOA. So like average unit. I mean, you think back to that season, they had like Josh Hawkins playing yeah. in the, the Saints playoff game. And they, it was a winnable game. And how was, as Howie Roseman said, they're only 15 yards away. And then 2019, they had the 29th in terms of health, 29th healthiest. So one of the most injured defenses. And they finished 12th in DVOA in 2019. So point being like, yeah, wasn't perfect. Wasn't elite units, but they weren't really meant to be elite units when you look at where they spent and how injured they were and everything. Also, I think if you just thought about like how this team was built and if the offense actually pulled their weight, I just don't think people would even care about Jim Schwartz or talk about him as much. Mm -hmm. If the offense was actually good, then the defense would probably just be like fine and it would look fine and no one would really care because it's like, oh, we're not, you know, it's whatever. The defense is fine, but we're winning games because the offense is really good. But that hasn't been what happened. Like what happened was the Eagles made these big investments in offense and that really failed. And then the defense ended up having to be almost like the strength of the team a lot. And it just wasn't designed to be that way. In some weeks, they were better than others. Uh, and certainly, I think there's a chance the Eagles could do better than Jim Schwartz. I, like, I'm not saying that's guaranteed to happen, but I'm saying like you could get an elite defensive coordinator. And I think that's on the table. Uh, yeah, I think he will be missed more likely than not, because I also think they could do a lot worse. And as far as potential replacements go, I really think Matt Burke, you know, has a good chance to be uh, his replacement, you know, who the Eagles brought in a couple of seasons ago as they made up a position for him, like a special defensive assistant, basically, um, with Schwartz. And then, you know, they promoted him last year, even though he had never been a defensive line coach in his career to defensive line coach and added uh, like run game coordinator to his title, which seemed like another signal that like he's going to get, you know, maybe more than traditional responsibility. And honestly, just listening to hear or listening um, to Matt Burke speak. Have you been on his calls, Jimmy, his press conferences, yes. whenever he's spoken, he seems like a very like smart, like well-spoken mm -hmm. guy. I could see him in pressing in, in the interviews. If he, I'm assuming he's at least going to get an interview. Um, that's also a way to maybe kind of keep things intact in terms of like, Schwartz isn't going to be back, but we can still keep a lot of what he does and kind of hopefully keep kind of his impact. So what do you think about that? I think that's uh, I think that'll be a very disappointing outcome <laughs> to to a lot of the fans. I think they'll probably want to see somebody from the outside come in. Uh, I haven't I, I have to admit, I haven't uh, really dug into, you know, potential replacements as a defensive coordinator. But I, do, I just want to go back to something you're talking about, the, like Jim Schwartz this year. If you just look at their four wins like the defense was responsible for at a minimum three of them Cowboys game. Mm -hmm. Surely it was a defense saints game defense more than offense for sure. Uh, 49ers game, absolutely more the defense than the offense, even the tie against the Bengals. Like if the defense didn't play reasonably well in that game, like they would have lost that game too. And then like they put them in position to win other games, like both Washington games. I think the defense played well enough. Um, the Browns game, uh, in Cleveland, the Seahawks game at home. I think the defense played well in those games. So, like, it wasn't the defense that really, like, torpedoed this season. I mean, certainly the offense played way, way worse than the defense did. And uh, you're right. Like, if, uh, if, the, if you know, the offense just played okay, they win the division and the defense doesn't look as bad as, as maybe it was perceived. Uh, so we'll see how it goes with Schwartz. 
offensive changes, Jimmy. Yes. That's the latest news. We're recording this January 7th at 11.23 a.m. is the time I'm looking at it right now. So I purposely put that out there in case something happens <laughs> right after more, yeah. <laughs> right. we're done, of course, which will probably happen. But so Rich Gangarello, Eagles senior offensive assistant who they brought in last year, who had been the offensive coordinator with the Broncos for just one year, basically wasn't brought in under the premise that he's like the new offensive coordinator because the Eagles didn't hire a real offensive coordinator, obviously, last year. But he was kind of like the big ticket item as in terms of like a new guy that was billed, that was being brought in. So he's gone. The Eagles are not renewing his contract. Uh, and then Marty Mornweg, who the Eagles also brought last back last year as a senior offensive consultant, uh, those guys aren't going to be back. And Jeff McLean kind of put out there that the Eagles are expected to hire a real offensive coordinator this year. And he also put out that, and I think this is interesting, and we should get into this, um, you know, that Press Taylor isn't necessarily certain to be back. And kind of Press Taylor had kind of become the de facto offensive coordinator mm-hmm. last year when he had passing game coordinator added to his title. Jimmy, I remember talking about all these changes and my big fear with them. And a lot of people, I guess, thought this was that like there are too many cooks in the kitchen. And I think there's a case to be made that certainly ended up being true. Yeah. Uh, so I, so I'm taking these changes so far as a good thing that the Eagles are kind of trying to get away from that convoluted, needlessly convoluted structure that they had there. But I think the interesting questions here, and I guess this is where I'll toss this to you is like, who's going to call the plays? Cause they looked for often the coordinator last year and there was thought that they couldn't get one mm-hmm. because Doug was calling place so is Doug still going to be calling the place and then will Doug actually get to pick who he's hiring instead of having coaching uh hires forced on him kind of like he did last year and then what happens with Press Taylor because like Carson Wentz is very close to Press Taylor if Press Taylor is demoted or going to get like not even be with the organization anymore I think that's kind of relevant okay so number one I'll start with uh who actually is making these decisions and it should be Doug because Doug is the head coach. He should have control over his coaching staff. Like he, he should be, he should feel comfortable with the, you know, personnel that is actually going to be reporting to him. So like, you know, last year we all saw he wanted to keep Mike Groh and Carson Walsh. He said they'd be back. And then a day later they were fired. And it, it was very revealing that he didn't actually have control over his coaching staff. So, you know, I think it'll come out eventually this off season, whether that has changed uh, this year or not. So uh, who knows, you know, who, who decided that uh, Richard Scangarello and Marty Morningweg had to go. Um, if it's Doug, then I think that's a step in the right direction. If it was somebody else, then I do not. So, um, but you're right. Like I, I'm with you in the sense that I thought it was right. First of all, that they did move on from grow. I didn't think grow was good. And I think that it was, you know, kind of right. like, even though like, I think that Doug should have control over his coaching staff at the same time. I think that it's not maybe the worst thing that he was overruled because I don't think Grow was bringing it up to the table. The result was right, but the process was wrong is what you're saying. And then, well, the process wasn't great in the sense that I didn't like what they did in terms of bringing in like a like this mismatch, this, this mishmash of uh, offensive minds in Scangarello, Morningweg, uh, Andrew Briner, um, you know, sort of elevating Press Taylor from just quarterbacks coach to passing game coordinator. All that was nonsense to me. And I think that hiring like a legit offensive coordinator this year is the correct path going forward. So I'm fine with that. As far as Press Taylor's future, I did think that was an interesting uh, caveat that uh, that McLean added into his tweet. And do you, first of all, do you read into anything along the lines of Carson Wentz if Press Taylor isn't back? 
because are they sort of like a um, like a package deal? So like like is is uh you know would would press only stay if Carson Wentz was going to be back? Because as you like to point out during the season, uh, those two are are boys. I'll let you get to that in a second. Just as far as the calling plays aspect. I don't think Doug, Doug wants to give that up. I think Doug loves calling plays and only, you know, sort of gave over those responsibilities he, like little by little, like he just here and there uh, to Press Taylor this season. But I think he loves calling plays and will absolutely getting back to do that. But as far as Press Taylor and Wentz being a package deal, I know that that's sort of like a gripe of yours that uh, Wentz sort of had a buddy as a, as a quarterback's coach, as a guy that, as opposed to a guy that, you know, kind of get in his ass when it, when it was necessary. The quote that I, you know, had uh, Joe Santoliquido here on BGN Radio for a special interview back in September, and the quote here is, I don't know if a good buddy can also be your coach. There's no secret here. The media knows this. The fan base knows this, that Press Taylor and Carson Wentz are buddies. They're pals. I find it hard to believe if Carson Wentz's relationship is already kind of fractured with the Eagles that, if again, they're demoting and or or, or, or firing, because that's not an and or, or firing, uh, Press Taylor or getting rid of him, whatever. Like, I just don't see how Carson Wentz like loves that. <laughs> and I just, right, you know, I'm right. hard time. I'm, I mean, they got rid of his best friend and Jordan Matthews once upon a time, but I think it's a little different here. And I don't think Press Taylor should be back. By the way, if we're talking I, I about merit, like, like why, like why did he get? It was crazy to me that he got an uptake in responsibility last year because like Carson Wentz hadn't like really progressed. I don't think he was doing a good job as a quarterbacks coach. I think the argument was that uh, Taylor might be better of a schemer than mm-hmm. a quarterback's coach. And at the time, I was like, okay, maybe I can buy that. Although, you know, coming off of this year, it's hard to really say that that's, you know, like that he's this invaluable piece that they can't get rid of him. Um, yeah, so I don't think Taylor should be back. And I think that's a signal. I mean, it's, an, it's like early, you know, the Eagles obviously have time to make a decision on Wentz. But I think if Press Taylor's not going to be back, I think that's kind of a signal that things aren't necessarily going uh, in Wentz's favor, especially if Doug is going to be back too. And he still has the play calling and everything. And and I agree with you that Doug is going to want that. But I, I just wonder, you know, is the team going to make him give it up? And Because, like, how are they going to hire a new offensive you know, coordinator. Yeah, like, sure. How are they going to track someone? Mm-hmm. Um, because that was the big issue last year, and why they ultimately couldn't is because, like, they couldn't get a guy like a Graham Harrell who they really wanted right. because he wasn't going to leave USC if he wasn't going to be calling plays. So I kind of wonder, yeah, how that's going to work. Any thoughts? I'm early with, thoughts? Well, I'm with you on Taylor in that, um, like, he doesn't deserve to keep his job as the quarterbacks coach. I mean, look at what happened to Carson Wentz this year. Like Carson Wentz, yeah, is a talented player. Like he's big. He's got a good arm. Uh-huh. He's you know, reasonably smart as we've seen, like he can run a little bit and for him to be the worst statistical quarterback in the NFL, he wasn't helped in any, like there's, there's no, there's no way that you can like look at the, at the, at, you know, his coach and think, well, that guy did a good job. (laughs) So like, I I think they do have to move on from him at least in that role. And then if he's not in that role, where else are you going to, what else, what other role would he have like on the team? So I, I do think Press Taylor will be the next one. Maybe not the next one to go, but I don't think he's going to keep his job this offseason. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. It's kind of even too hard, I feel like, to get into the candidate. Like, it's hard to get into like who could replace, who could be the offensive coordinator because we don't know those questions yet in terms of are they going to play calling? Um, so we'll see. Jimmy, uh, anything else on the Eagles before we get into some playoff talk? I think we're done with the Eagles for today. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm done with the Eagles for let's, uh, let's a talk. Little- 
Let's talk about uh, let's talk about some good teams. So I wanted to get into two questions here. Yes, the NFL playoffs starting this weekend. Okay, so first of all, which team do you think will win the Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. Who's your pre-playoff Super Bowl pick? But I also wanted to include in here which team are you which team are you rooting for the most, or like should Eagles fans be rooting for the most? If you want to lump those together, yeah. So my pick is chalk. I'm just going to take the Chiefs because. They're very clearly the best team in the NFL. <laughs> like in, and uh, I think they're – I mean, the AFC is good, so they have a harder mm. road to get to the Super Bowl than, say, the Packers, for example. But I do think they'll get it done, and then once they do, they're going to be way better than whoever they have to play in the NFC. So that's the team you think. What about the team yeah. you're rooting for? So the team I'm rooting for, like normally it would be Kansas City. Uh, actually, when I was growing up, uh, the Chiefs were sort of like my AFC team because I was a big uh, Christian Okoye fan. So I've sort of always, uh, you know, had a soft spot in my heart for the Chiefs. Uh, And then, of course, I was rooting for them last year because I wanted to see Andy win. But now that they've won, uh, I'm ready to see somebody else win. And uh, I enjoyed my trip to Buffalo last year. I thought that, like, (laughs) it was not a destination I was looking forward to going to last year uh, on the road. But when I was actually there, like, that city had a pretty cool vibe. I liked, I I enjoyed my, my short time there. And I think that fan base is starving for any level of success. Like they haven't won a playoff game in ages. So at a minimum, I like to see them. I like to see them at least win one playoff game. But uh, if there's a if there's a city that I would like to see win the Super Bowl, it would be them. I'm also friends with um, their you know head PR guy uh, Derek Boyko, who was employed fourth by the by the uh, Eagles for a long time. Um, is that a flex style? Like, yeah, Dark Boy goes in a celebrity. He gets mentioned during, wow. during, uh, <laughs> he gets mentioned like during telecast sometimes because everyone likes him. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, so I would like to, I would like to see them win for Graham as well. Uh, but they're just a, a, a team that it's a city that deserves it. And it's a fun team to watch, by the way. Like, I love Stefan Diggs. Like, Stefan Diggs is like one of my favorite players to watch in the NFL. So uh, I'd love to see them win and, uh, and and give that city a championship. I agree with you on what you said there, Jimmy. And I think Bills and Eagles fans have a similar energy in terms of, you know, like this like blue-collar vibe, mm-hmm. kind of crazy, like wild fans, like yeah. passionate fans. They care a lot. They care a lot. And obviously in Buffalo, it's, you know, jumping through the tables and it's not quite <laughs> right. maybe the same in Philly. But, you know, same kind of it's the same kind of energy yes. is how I'd put it. Similar vibes. So – uh, you know, underdog team too, team that hasn't won before. So I think it's it's a relatable, you know, rooting interest for the Bills, and I and I think they are going to win the Super Bowl. Game. Really? Okay. They're, they're, yeah, I man, I think they are looking like a well-oiled machine machine heading into the playoffs here. I mean, Josh Allen is looking great. Brian Dable, I really believe in him. I think he's doing uh, a great job as their offensive coordinator. The defense isn't you know what you think of what it used to be from like a really really good bills defense but i think it's fine i think it's certainly good uh, secondary yeah it's, it's good enough for them to get by because the offense is going to be awesome in my expectation so yeah i think they're legit and josh allen has that playoff experience from last year i think that's kind of a, will be a learning lesson for him to kind of maybe like rein it in a little bit because he's kind of going wild at the end of last year there uh so yeah i, I just think they're it's almost like the 2017 eagles vibe like i get that from them like they seem like they're having fun um, it's a well-coached team, obviously the quarterback, uh, you know, playing at a very high level. So, yeah, I, I think the Bills are going to be that team. Although I would say 
Uh, I don't think they're going to make the run entirely, but the Ravens, I think, are being slept on mm-hmm. going into the playoffs here. I think they're going to beat the Titans. I don't think the Titans, I think they're actually favored over the Titans. But yeah, and that, that makes sense to me. Yeah. It's in Tennessee. Yeah, they should be. Tennessee won their division, of course. They should be. I think the Ravens are serious. They're going to make some noise. Lamar Jackson's going to get his first playoff. Revenge play. game, too, because the Titans upset them last year. Exactly. Who do you want to come out of the NFC, and who, yeah. who do you think is going to come out of the NFC? I was, I was going to get to that next. Okay. Um, I think I want the Packers to do it because I would be okay with the Packers winning the Super Bowl. I'm not rooting for the Packers to win the Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers is so good this year. Like, like he deserves it. Like, what can I say? Mm-hmm. Like, like any in Aaron Rodgers, his legacy, he should have more than one Super Bowl. I don't think the fact that he only has one Super Bowl is all on him. I think McCarthy is to blame for a portion of that. So uh, I think him getting a Super Bowl, second Super Bowl ring would be cool. And then as far as who I will think, um, do I really go chalk and pick the Packers? I think I will because I don't really buy the Saints for sure. I think Breeze is going to – I mean, the Saints always choke in the playoffs, so they're going to do it at some point this year. Right. Um, the Seahawks, I don't buy them. Washington, obviously, might not even It's a game. bad conference. Yeah, the Bucks, I don't buy the Bucks. I just think they're like, – they remind me of the 2000 and whatever Nets, the first edition of the Brooklyn Nets. Mm. Um, I think they're a fake team. The Rams, I mean – they don't even have a quarterback, and then the Bears. Yeah, so I mean, it has to be the Packers, right? So my yeah, like mine are both the same, just like you. Like I, I think the Packers are going to come out of the NFC. It's a big advantage; they're the only team that has a bye. And then I also want them to come out of the NFC. Like I, I really wa- like watching Aaron Rodgers play. And then like the other guys yeah. on that offense are all fun players too. Like Aaron Jones is one of the best running backs in the league, and I don't think he gets the credit credit for being that sometimes. And then like Devontae Adams is awesome. Like yeah. he's in the conversation for best wide receiver in the NFL. And I don't think he gets talked about that way as well, because I think, you know, Aaron Rodgers tends to get um, and deservedly. So it gets a lot of credit, but I think he gets uh, all the credit for what that offense does, but he's got two really good players playing alongside him in Jones and Adams. So I would like to see that. Also, by the way, I should note that the Packers have always been very Eagles friendly in seasons that uh, the Eagles haven't made the playoffs in that they've taken out like a lot of uh, NFC East teams, like and, yep. and all of them, and uh, like twice they did it when the Cowboys were threatening to maybe make a Super Bowl. Like they took them out when the Cowboys were the one seed in 2016. Like my one of my favorite NFL plays ever was that Mason Crosby field goal at the end of that game, where it starts left and it looks like it's going to miss. And then it like just kind of sliced back in. And one of my favorite things to do, at, like after that kick, like the in, the in the subsequent days, was you can it was in Dallas, of course, and you can like pick out, like just watch it over and over again that kick, and just pick out like individual fans one at a time, and you see their like you see as the kick goes up, you see them like they have like a glimmer of hope, and then it's just no, no, it's good, <laughs> and then you just see them like go from. Hope to it's like the season's over like that. Uh, and then they beat them in 2014, of course, in the uh, uh, Dez didn't catch it game. They they beat in Washington. I believe that was in 2015. They took care of the Giants. I believe that either that same year or uh, the uh, after the uh, the boat picture, they, the Packers took care of them. Right. Uh, so they've been very Eagles friendly. And like, as I said, uh, in the playoffs, but but also they're just a very fun team to watch. So. If it, if it's up to me, I'd like to see a Bills Packers Super Bowl 
but I think yep. it will be Chiefs Packers, and I think the Chiefs will repeat. Uh, call me foolish for sleeping on the Chiefs, but I don't know. I just they had like like seven one score games to end the season. Some of those were just like I don't know. They're just a little close for comfort. They didn't. Maybe that changes. You know, they have this bye week. They get into the playoffs. Mahomes is fine. That could happen, but I don't know. I just I just think and and they beat the Bills earlier, but I think that it's going to be different this time. And I think that game also got rescheduled because of COVID and everything. Like this will be more a normal game, hopefully. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. I think um, that the scenario that that doesn't work for them is. Like the way that they can get bounced is you mentioned the Ravens before. So they're going to be a low seed. And if they beat the Titans, then you know the Chiefs will. So the Chiefs will play whatever the lowest seed is in the divisional round. And there's a decent chance like that'll be the Ravens. So like yeah. in their first yep. game, they might have to play the Ravens. And that's potentially where they could get bounced if Lamar Jackson just comes out and has and has like a phenomenal game. Uh, quick thoughts on the Sixers, Jimmy. The Sixers off to what? 7-1 start? Yeah. Who was it? Um, Scotty Brooks said that they they look like the best team in the NFL, or in the uh, NFL, in the NBA. Like, did you see that quote? I didn't, but um, but they they do look good, Jimmy. Um, Joel Embiid looking MVP like. Honestly, I don't think that's hyperbole to say. He's looking like really good. Uh, the roster just makes more sense. I couldn't help but watch to bring this back to the Eagles, Jimmy. I couldn't help but watch the Sixers last night and think like, this is what a team with a good GM looks like, like <laughs> right. a team. That because you see it like Seth Curry, he comes in, he's looking good. Um, Danny Green, like he's not amazing, but like a valuable player, a guy who had shooting in defense. Um, Tyrese Maxey, hey, a first round draft pick who actually looks good. That's cool. That's nice. Right. A young player can actually play and look like like show talent. Um, and I think that's a big difference. Now people will say too, oh well, it's Doc Rivers too. I think Doc Rivers is you know contributing, is doing fine. I mean, I, look at what it said. They added new players that made the team better. That's not. Just the coach, so it'd be nice if the Eagles could uh, do that one day. Kind of you know, get some good players on the team. I'll make a Sixers Eagles parallel too, and I think you mentioned this on a previous podcast. Like the Sixers, like there was really no reason to feel great about this, to feel good about the Sixers at all, yep. until they hired Daryl Morley. Daryl Morley, Morey, um, and then once they hired him, it was like, all right, well, I'm back in. <laughs> like, I'll, yeah, I'll pay exactly. And, I'll, and, and if the Eagles had, had moved, like if they moved on from Howie Roseman and hired a new GM, like people would be back in. Like they'd be full on, like invested in this team again. And I, I wonder if like Jeffrey Lurie considered that at all. I mean, the reports are that like it didn't even occur to him to fire Howie Roseman. But I wonder if like that thought crossed his mind that like it would be an instantaneous, like bringing a lot of fans back in and, and having them, you know, have renewed interest in the team uh, if he had made that change. I doubt it, but uh, it, it is something that it's a, it's a, it's a fun parallel to, to think about. Hopefully next year when they feel like they have the confidence to actually attract a good GM, maybe, um, or, and maybe there's one on the market who really makes sense to go after. So uh, that does it, I guess, for this episode of BGN radio. Um, if you're still listening, hopefully you are uh, hashtag BGN radio, still listening. If you made it this far into the episode, a really nice hashtag there. Jimmy, any final thoughts? I'll tell you what. If you first person I see with uh, BGN still listening, uh, BGN radio still listening. BGN radio hashtag still BGN radio, BGN still, radio listening. still listening. Trying to think of something else. I, you know, what? I got a. Uh, got, <laughs> Jimmy's these, looking around. We get these little knickknacks every uh, every mm-hmm. game. Like they leave them at like our place in the press box. What did we get last Sponsored. week? Sponsored. What's that? They're like sponsored. It's like, you know, yeah. usually it's a, a sponsor. This week it was Verizon, a wireless charger. I'm using mine right now. I'll tell you what, I'll send you my Verizon wireless charger. 
Oh, it's it's great. I'm using it right now. I didn't have one before. I'm like, hey, this is pretty cool. I can oh, charge my I phone. Kinda, maybe I kind of want one. Maybe I kind of want mine now. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'll, I'll, the first one to have that hashtag, I'll send you my Verizon wireless charger. Okay. That's an awesome prize. Yeah. Uh, all right, Jimmy. Uh, we'll be back in the future, uh, depending on the Eagles make big news or what. If not, well, at the very latest, we'll be back sometime next week. So make sure you rate, review, subscribe. Don't miss any episodes. Uh, we haven't had a, a review in iTunes in a while, Apple Podcasts, all the way back in December. So let's get some reviews in there, too, especially because Jimmy's giving away a prize. Right. Um, so go do that and follow me on Twitter at Brandon Gatton. Follow Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. Go check out RightToSellin.com. Use discount code BGN15. Uh, anything else, Jimmy? Yeah. So uh, I'll tell you what. I'll give it another prize. Well, I have a, uh, <laughs> uh, I have my my USB thing. There it is. Here. USB. I have an Eagles USB. Oh, a um, uh, what is that called? A USB drive. Yeah, you have, drive. I have a flash drive. It's got an Eagles yep. logo on it. It's uh, silver cool. metal. It's nice. I'll send that. How many gigs does it say on it? How many gigs it is? If not, it's okay. I don't think it does. No. Okay. But it's a USB it drive. I will send that. We'll pick a uh, uh, if you leave a review on iTunes, uh, mm. I will uh, we'll pick one at random and I'll send that out to you. Okay, so some prizes for you this week if you're still listening, if you made it all the way to the end. That's why you should always listen to the end of PTN Radio. <laughs> Free Nick uh, and, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye, everybody. PGN. The Current Podcast is back with an exciting new season featuring marketing executives from the world's most influential brands. Tune in to hear what's driving conversation in the fast-moving world of digital advertising with unique insights from brands as diverse as Hilton, Instacart, Moderna, Major League Soccer, and more. And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser like the National Republican Senatorial Committee and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at thecurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.